Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. The state representative, Cam Buckner, was born on the South Side, lives there in his House chair of the Legislative Caucus. He's also one of a crowded field of candidates trying to unseat Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. This weekend, we get to know him a lot better. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. My guest this weekend describes himself as a son of Chicago, and you can't argue the point. He was born in Roseland, his father in law enforcement, mother was a teacher. He went to the Chicago Public Schools and Law School at DePaul. He was an aide to Senator Dick Durbin in Washington before returning to the city to head World Sports Chicago. Now he's a Southside state representative and a leader of the Black Caucus in Springfield. Cam Buckner's running for mayor because he says we can't wait any longer for a safe and just Chicago. And in this half hour, we'll talk with him about how he believes that can be achieved. We're conducting this interview via Zoom conferencing and Cam Buckner, welcome. Thank you, Craig. Thank you for having me and Happy New Year. And to you as well. Well, we've got a lot to talk about in this half hour, but we're recording this interview on January 6th, the two-year anniversary of the Capitol Hill insurrection. You've issued a statement criticizing the way incumbent Mayor Lightfoot and the Chicago Police Department have handled the case of a police officer who is a member of the Proud Boys, a right-wing group largely at the center of the January 6th uprising. The officer was suspended for 120 days. That's four months. What's your problem with that? Well, well listen, I, th- I think first off, we got to talk about the gravity of what happened two years ago today, Craig. January 6th um, is a pivotal point in our history as a country. And I think most Americans and most Chicagoans, when we look at the footage of what happened to that assault on our Capitol building, um, we, we we sit back and we uh, we're filled with shock and awe that it occurred. Uh, for me personally, uh, I spent years working in that building. For six years, I was a United States Senate staffer for Senator Dick Durbin. Uh, and I can remember um, the trouble I would have walking around that building without my ID. And I was someone who was supposed to be there every day of the week. Uh, and to see people breach uh, security uh, and to literally assault our democracy uh, is just something that I never thought I would see uh, as an American. Now, you fast forward to... Um, this time where we figure out who was responsible for this, we look at the the groups and the people who have had something to do with this. And we know uh, that the Proud Boys um, have taken, um, you know, have been really proud about, or proud, right, about the fact that 
they help lead this insurrection on American government. Uh, and to think that we have members of this organization and people who affiliate with this organization and organizations like it uh, serving and protecting the streets and the people of Chicago uh, is, is a bridge too far for, for most of us. And so to hear Mayor Lightfoot um, uh, diminish the power of that, to hear Mayor, Light, Mayor Lightfoot uh, say that the Proud Boys are not an anti-Semitic group, to say that the Proud Boys are not a, a racist group, uh, is is really hard for me to, to swallow as a Chicagoan. Uh, when we talk about how we rebuild trust between communities and law enforcement, as you said, my, my father uh, spent uh, two and a half decades in law enforcement, um, but I'm also a black man from the South Side of Chicago, so I understand some of those um, that friction that, that has occurred over the years. Uh, to watch this mayor, uh, you know, pile on to years and years of distrust and mismanagement is, I think, extremely damning. We got to do a, a much better job. Do you believe the police officer should lose his job, lose his livelihood uh, over this? I do. I, I, I can't. I don't believe that we can send somebody who has those type of uh, leanings, those type of uh, thoughts and ideals, and 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 those, uh, and those type of affiliations. We can't send them out to protect and serve the people of Chicago. Uh, many uh, of us are a minority. Chicago is a, is a largely minor, minority city um, and do it in good faith, right? This is this is not the way uh, that, that we should operate. Now, it, it, it should be no surprise that some police officers are racists. Uh, you, you can look on some of their social media posts and, and, and see that. Um, what should be done about changing the culture of the Chicago Police Department and without and looking from the other side without making police officers necessarily feel that they are being uh, ostracized or attacked? Yeah, Craig, I've talked a lot in this campaign and even before I entered into this race about uh, recruitment and retention. Right. Making sure that we have the right people uh, in these positions. Unfortunately, uh, we have um, these artificial barriers to folks from communities like the one I live in, like the one I grew up in, uh, that stop them from being uh, uh, members of the police department. These are people who want to serve their community. Right. Uh, I talk a lot about the fact that uh, I know many young black men and many young Latino men who uh, have dreams of a career in law enforcement. Uh, but they're pushed to the side because they've got a uh, a misdemeanor marijuana charge. By the way, marijuana is legal in Illinois now. Um, or they have uh, a credit score that is not up to par. Or they take a lie detector test that asks them whether or not they have ever had gang affiliation. And those of us who are from Chicago and have really lived in Chicago um, and seen the best and the worst of the city know that for some people, um, being quote unquote gang affiliated, not being a gang member, not being a criminal, not being a person who's committed crimes, um, but living on a block that's affiliated with a certain um, street organization is part of everyday life, right? And we know I've seen people who have come to my office because they've been weeded out the process because of that, right? And so uh, I think we got to look at the entire uh, scope of how we bring in our officers, how we uh, hold them accountable, because it's not just about um, keeping uh, Community safe, right? That's the that's a that's the that's the big part of it. But but the the truth is that we have to create some trust. We have to create some trust, um, some connectivity, and some syncopation between communities uh, and the people who serve and protect them. And one of the best ways to do that is to make sure 
the people from those communities are part of the answer. Oh, let's talk a little bit more about your plan to keep the streets safe and, and start from that, that officer level beyond the recruitment. Are there things that need to be done to either, if not change the attitudes, deal with the attitudes of the officers who are there, uh, give them a different perspective for how they're handling these areas where they are supposed to be patrolling and protecting? Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's all, all, always the conversation about training and what we need to do, whether there are um, uh, new ways and new methods uh, for folks who come uh, through the academy uh, to be able to deal with the, the issues of today. And, and we should be smart about that. We should use data. We should use experts um, and, and people who actually know what they're doing uh, to make that happen. But, but Craig, what I, what I also will tell you is that there is a lack uh, and a void of leadership currently, not just with the current superintendent, uh, but also with the mayor, obviously, uh, and what uh, the communities in Chicago need and what uh, the, the men and women of the Chicago Police Department need is for a mayor to stand up and say, listen, uh, for those of you who are doing your job the right way, within the means and the bounds of the U.S. Constitution, the laws of the state and the, and the laws of this city and your training, uh, this will be the best big city cop job you will find in America and I will have your back. Uh, and for those who uh, refuse to operate that way, uh, for those who want to um, uh, uh, put neighborhoods under siege and, and not see the humanity and the people who live in, live in Chicago, this will not be a department where you can hide and we will not accept it. And I think that's a that's not nuanced to me. That's a very clear, practical, common sense way to start building uh, some morale in the police department and building some trust with communities. I also want to talk about the other end of this, and that's the end of uh, dealing with the people who are shooting the guns. How do you address that? I mean, we're dealing with a, a time at a time when the people who are out on the streets are willing to kill over a social media post and shoot into a crowd because they think that someone they don't like is in there. How do you address that kind of that level of violence? We, we've got to do it at the root. We got to get down to it uh, and have real conversations and then have real plans for action on how to move forward. One thing I could tell you, Craig, is that I'm the only person in this race who can have a real conversation, not just with law enforcement and the business community, uh, but with the young men, basically with the largely young men uh, in this city who are um, committing uh, the, the lion's share of the violence. Right. This is not new to me. I grew up in Chicago. I'm from here. Uh, you know, I saw witness with my own two eyes some very, very hard things for most folks to watch, but it became a part of my my everyday life as a young black man on the south side of Chicago. I understand how to speak the language. I understand how to get through to people uh, in a way that can bring us all forward. Craig, I talk to young men in this city who uh, have been involved in the criminal justice system, who have been involved in street organizations on a pretty normal basis. Uh, I, in fact, I was talking to a group of young men uh, near my home in Bronzeville just the day after New Year, uh, after the first day of the year. Uh, and what I walked away from that conversation with uh, is that these young men at the at the young age of 16 and 17 years old had already dealt in their mind with the question of death. Uh, it was it was a surety to them that they would die at some point, uh, probably in the near future, the way that they told me. 
Uh, but what they had not done is dealt with the question of life, uh, about how they're going to live. Uh, if they do uh, survive, and hopefully they do pass a certain age, what are their options? How do they get gainful employment? How do they uh, you know, raise families and become a, a members of society in a, in a productive way? We've not had those conversations with them. We've not given them those options or presented them to them in a way that has been uh, easily digestible. And so these are conversations we have to have straight up. And so I, I'm, 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 I'm very clear about the fact that <clears throat> the fact that I can stand on a street corner in Chicago uh, and have conversations with young men about stopping a beef, right, or stopping um, uh, a war, which I have done as a, as a normal citizen, as a nonprofit exec, and as a state representative, uh, to me, that matters. And that's the type of work we need at the ground level to bring the city forward. I want to talk about another safety issue, and that is on the CTA. Um, Mayor Lightfoot, I talked with earlier in the week, says that the Chicago Police Department and the CTA's own security forces are making progress. Uh, the number of violent crimes has gone down, but she acknowledges a lot more must be done. What do you say about what's going on in tr public transportation? It's it's scary. Um, Craig, I'm a avid CTA a rider. Um, I've been a rider and a user of the system for 30 plus years at this point. Uh, and you know, I, I'm really um, disappointed in where we are. People don't feel safe. Um, there also is no efficiency in the way our trains and buses move around town. Um, and and there's, there seems to be no real accountability, right? We had to, uh, the city council had to beg the head of CTA to come speak to them. Uh, after ghosting them like buses have ghosted people for a very long time. But the amount of crime that we're seeing specifically on the red line uh, is extremely troubling. We got to find a way to get through this. And, and I've released a full and comprehensive uh, transit plan that not only uh, increases reliability and accessibility uh, on CTA buses and trains, but it also increases safety. Right. Uh, we've got a network of cameras on CTA that are not connected. That's a problem. We've got uh, ingress and egress issues on our, our, our platforms and our stations that are problematic. Uh, we can find a way to make the people of Chicago safe. Uh, we just got to actually have some leadership and the will to do it. What more? Uh, well, let's talk about some other issues, quality of life issues. We'll get started on that. What more should the city be doing about public health? Well, a lot. Right. And so when we talk about the privatization of public health, which we have seen in Chicago, uh, I, I posit that private public health is not public health at all. Um, we, we've seen a mass underfunding of resources that city government should, should provide. Uh, and then uh, what we do is we pivot uh, to the private sector and say, hey, this is your this is this is this is your deal now. Uh, and there's no accountability there. There's no transparency. Uh, and there's no way for us to really uh, keep tabs on whether or not the people of the city are getting what they need. I think that the biggest example of that is our failure to deliver uh, quality mental health services to the people of Chicago. Uh, we've seen over time uh, many uh, clinics close down. We heard in 2019 candidate Lightfoot say that she would reopen these mental health clinics, uh, and she has failed to do so. Uh, there are four uh, clinics right now operating in the city, you know, on paper, but functionally they're not working. The, the way that you, um, 
the way that you book an appointment is you got to walk in and then come back two days later. Uh, this is 2023. There's no online option. Uh, there, for a long time, was no option for young people under the age of 18 uh, through the Chicago Department of Public Health. And so I've talked a lot about uh, not just reopening the 20 clinics. I think we do need to do that. And we definitely need to do that um, based on where they're most needed in the city. I've, I've also released a mental health plan, which no one else in this race has, has done. Um, but we need at least four of those clinics to be 24-hour clinics so that people can walk in uh, and deal with their, their issues no matter what time of the day it is. Uh, and I also think that we need mobile units, right, to be able to uh, um, meet people where they are as they deal with mental health trauma and mental health uh, episodes throughout the city. We're seeing far too much of it. It's been really highly connected to our crime issues and our quality of life issues. And the city has not seemed to um, have this as a priority. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. My guest is State Representative Cam Buckner, who is running for mayor of Chicago. I want to continue that thought for a little bit more, um, because when we have talked with Mayor Lightfoot and with the uh, the health department, they have said that working with the nonprofits who they would argue do this for a living, uh, especially in the area of mental health, that they are now serving more people than they were serving before, even when the clinics that Rahm Emanuel closed were operating, and that this is a better way and a more extensive way to deal with people. is Should these not-for-profits not be part of the solution? Listen, the, 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 the things that the mayor is saying about this are just untrue. And the fact of the matter is that they can't point to real data that says that. They're kicking the can down the road. They're giving uh, responsibility that belongs to the city to someone else. Uh, and to me, that that is that that, that that's not okay. Um, there is a a a possibility uh, with true leadership where the nonprofit folks in this space and the city can work together. It does not have to be one or the other. We we we're, we're Chicago. We're the city of big plans, right? So why are we minimizing ourselves? Uh, saying that we can um, only have uh, nonprofit uh, providers or city providers is like saying we can only have bookstores or we can only have libraries, but we can't have them both. It's problematic. And that really um, symbolizes the small thinking of this administration. Want to turn to education. Uh, I know you are completely aware of the sometimes stormy relationship between uh, Lori Lightfoot and the Chicago Teachers Union and the latest dust up is over uh, the promised expansion of paternity leave policy for teachers. Uh, what is your assessment of how this dispute is playing out? This is um, this is aligned with, with the many, many disputes we've seen play out in public uh, between uh, this mayor uh, and teachers around Chicago uh, for the last four years. And frankly, I'm sick of it. I think most Chicagoans are sick of it. Uh, and people want um, to see some solutions and not just these constant fights and, and the mayor's constant uh, flip-flopping on issues that matter the most to the people of Chicago. Craig, this one is, a pers- is very personal to me, which is why I spoke out about this before any other candidate in this race did. Um, it's personal to me because my mother, uh, who spent 34 years as a CPS teacher, um, both on the north side and in her last years uh, on the south side, in Auburn Gresham, um, she 
uh, was very cognizant of the fact as a CPS teacher that she needed to have her, her children in the spring and the summertime. My birthday is in May. My sister's birthdays are in May um, and June, right? Uh, that was by design. It was by design because CPS has only given their teachers, their their staff, uh, 10 days of paternal leave. Um, of, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, of, of paternal leave, which is, you know, it's asinine when you, when you look at, you know, what it takes to have a child and raise a child and um, go through their process. My wife and I just had our first child uh, 13 months ago. Uh, and so it's really fresh on my mind now. But uh, hearing my mother talk about the fact that many of her colleagues who uh, birth, uh, birthed in, you know, in, in October or uh, in March had a much tougher time than she did, and she had to be uh, intentional about how her and my father grew their family because of that. This is this is a problem, right? And so if every other city worker gets 12 weeks of parental leave, uh, we've got to be able to extend that uh, to everyone, but especially to our teachers, our law enforcement folks, our first responders, our frontline essential people who keep the city going. Uh, I do want to turn to uh, pure politics uh, for a bit. Uh, this is a large field and a survey, survey by the uh, Daily Line and Crane Chicago business, and I am very careful to call it a survey. It was billed as a poll uh, when the reporting first started but it's not as scientific as a poll might be. The, it shows that Lori Lightfoot is running fourth among the readers of and online uh, uh, followers of these two news organizations uh, behind Congressman Chewy Garcia, Brandon Johnson, and Paul Vallis. You were, and the others in this survey were in single di digits. What's your view of that, uh, that report? Well, first I'll say this. The, the, it's a, it's a, and I'm glad that you differentiated um, uh, by identifying it as a report and a, and a survey because it was it was not a scientific poll. But even the scientific polls are not always correct. Um, that 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 uh, actual survey there uh, surveyed people, and it was 74 percent of white Chicagoans, right? Um, and listen, you know, we can look at the demographics of the city, and you can tell that that survey does not look like the way the city looks. However, what has been very clear from every poll, from every survey we've seen, uh, is that this mayor is in trouble. Uh, this mayor is in trouble because this mayor has put Chicago in a uh, really bad spot. People in Chicago are looking for new leadership. They're looking for new ideas. They're looking for uh, a mayor who can help move Chicago forward, right? And so uh, if I were like, or like that, I, I would be really concerned with that survey and every other poll that I'm seeing uh, around the city. Uh, I am outside every day, Craig, talking to people, meeting people where they are, whether it's uh, a conference room in River North or a church basement in Austin. Uh, and the people in Chicago are speaking with one clear and convincing voice saying that enough is enough and it's time to move on. Does it help Mayor Lightfoot that the field against her is so wide uh, that it's it's scattering the opposition to her reelection. I don't believe so. Listen, I, I, I truly believe in choice and, and democracy and uh, people having options uh, to choose from. I think Chicagoans um, deserve a choice because uh, Chicago deserves a chance, right? Uh, but I do think that um, people are going to coalesce around the the 
candidate that makes sense for them. I just think that that number is becoming so increasingly small for the mayor of Chicago uh, that it's going to be problematic for her no matter what. Yeah, Lori Lightfoot this week started running an ad criticizing Chewy Garcia's connections to Sam Bankman-Fried, the one-time cryptocurrency billionaire. I guess he's not really a billionaire anymore, and he's under indictment. Uh, you also raised some concerns early about him. I, I did. Um, you know, I, I think the fact that uh, Sam Bankman, Bankman-Fried uh, has some financial connection to uh, to Congressman Garcia is problematic. It's something that we need to look at and figure out how deep that goes. Uh, but I also uh, point out the fact, Craig, that uh, the mayor also has connections uh, with this with this gentleman. Um, you know, she tried to tie some of Chicago's uh, guaranteed basic income uh, to some of the work that he was doing, uh, which really put black and brown communities uh, at further risk. And we have already been at risk for a very long time. And so uh, I've been very public about the fact that Congressman Garcia should explain his relationship uh, and so should the mayor. What are some of the other things that as we get into what are essentially the final weeks of this campaign uh, that voters should be focusing on now? Well, listen, the issues, the issues, the issues, right? Um, it is not enough to be anti-Lori Lightfoot. Um, I think the mayor's record speaks for itself. And I know many of my opponents in this race are hanging their hat uh, on their disdain for the mayor. But the people of Chicago want a plan. It's not enough to be anti-Lori Lightfoot. You've got to be pro-Chicago, uh, which is what this campaign has been since day one. People want to know what your solutions are. What are you going to do differently? How are you going to deal with crime? How are you going to deal with education? What's your plan to make Chicago uh, green, environmental friendly, and how do we combat climate change? How do we make our mass transit system the best public transit system in the entire country? What do we do to make Chicago's the most equitable economic recovery uh, post-pandemic in this nation? How do we create a gold standard when it comes to community policing uh, and bringing communities forward? And what does development look like in places that have been benignly neglected for a long time? That's the conversations that I want to have. That's the conversation that Chicagoans deserve, not you know uh, a food fight about who likes who. Uh, but we need real plans. We need real solutions on how to move the city forward. We don't have that much time, but I want to raise a, <laughs> ask a question about a big issue, and that is economic development. You touched on it uh, a second ago. Uh, is Invest Southwest the way to go? Would it continue under you? It is what the mayor would consider a signature part of her uh, her tenure. Uh, do you feel that it's uh, it's going in the right direction? Well, first off, let me say this. Unlike the mayor, I don't need a tour of the neighborhoods in Invest Southwest to understand what's going on in these communities. I've lived in them my entire life. I'm from there. I'm raising my family there. Uh, and so I understand what has happened in these communities. And a lot of this uh, uh, neglect and disinvestment is just based on years and years of uh, policy that has uh, put these communities in a disadvantageous position, number one. Uh, number two, um, I don't believe in just scrapping work uh, just because you are not the person who came up with the idea. Uh, if there are good things uh, in Invest Southwest that are there and available uh, when I am sworn in as mayor of Chicago, we will continue the good things. We'll do more of the good things and, and throw out the bad stuff and find ways to, to make this the best 
program it, it can be. Uh, but number three uh, is that what I can tell you, and if you ask people, ask people around the city, uh, those of us who live in these neighborhoods, is that in Best South, in Best Southwest, is uh, a lot of sizzle, not a lot of steak. We've seen a lot of uh, groundbreakings um, and conversations about groundbreakings, but where are the ribbon cuttings? Where are the where's the actual work, right? And so I can't help but think that this is about timing around the political campaign. I can't think that this is help but think this is a PR stunt by the mayor's office. But if there are good things there, like I said, we will keep those and build on them. Uh, but I'm, you know, in, in largely, in, in many ways, I'm largely disappointed in the results and the lack of results uh, in this program. Well, Cam Buckner, I want to thank you very much for uh, spending this time for us. Cam Buckner is a mayoral candidate and state lawmaker from the South Side. To our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There is a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on odyssey.com. I will be back next week with another edition of that issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, 105.9 WBBM. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 